Welcome to Women Who Push the Limits. Are you ready to find your voice, speak your truth, and change the world? Then you'll be glad you joined us for this amazing conversation. So let's get right into today's episode. Here's your host, Lynn Murphy. Hi, thanks for joining us again today for another episode of Women Who Push the Limits. I'm Lynn Murphy, your host, and I'm delighted that you've joined us today. We have such an interesting guest today. I've met several months ago, and just thank the world of Carrie Lou. She is an amazing networker. She's a realtor in Las Vegas, has been full-time realtor for 13 years, and she brings to that job not only a desire to help people find the American dream of home ownership, but she has such an interesting background that serves herself and her clients in a much more effective way. She's got an MBA from Rutgers. She was educated on the East Coast and she was in corporate America for many years. She had a job as an engineering consultant in New York City and then she was doing financial consulting. She was vice president of Citibank where she had over 80 employees, four managers and on two shifts. <laughs> So she has a lot of business background to bring to the real estate business. And she does so much for other people. She's involved in a local cat rescue organization and an active member of Business Network International, BNI. Definitely a natural networker. Carrie, thank you for joining us today. Thanks, Lynn, for having me. I'm very excited. Well, I am too. Let's get right to it. Tell us, what does it mean to say women who push the limits and how do you push those limits? I see women who push their limits as not conforming to what majority of people are doing. I think women who are independent and are able to think for themselves despite what's going on on the outside world are the ones who are able to really stand on their feet and be very solid in their decisions. It's really important in today's society to have our own opinions, although still stay open-minded to hear what everyone else has to say. But at the end of the day, we should be able to make our own decisions. So tell us how you push limits. Uh, good question, Lynn. <laughs> I would take my business as a residential realtor for an example. Back in 2007 was when I started my career in the residential real estate world in Las Vegas. Shortly after that, in 2008, the market crashed. Yes. It is very easy for the mind to say, well, this is going to be really hard and let me give up. Mm -hmm. and do something else and go back to corporate jobs and just look for a full-time position and be done with it. However, I knew at that time that my heart was not in it to work for somebody else or at least work for people that I really did not share the same values, values and goals. I just stayed in the, the business and learned as much as I could to do well in real estate. And within the second year, I was able to close 20 transactions and make a very decent living. So my income then already surpassed what I was making at Citibank. So that shows that if you never give up on anything, that you're able to move forward and excel in everything that we do. What was your mindset there? It would have been so easy to get into the fear that was going around at that time and the desperation. How did you um, propel yourself forward to, to make that kind of money to accomplish that kind of a sales record? Um, Lynn, I did have a lot of support. The mindset 
like you suggested, was really important. I was fortunate enough in my first year of real estate to be sharing an office with a, a seasoned realtor. She introduced me, and her name is Cindy Lawrence. She introduced me to a self-development organization called PSI Seminars. Mm -hmm. And my gut just told me that I needed to be part of this organization. I needed to learn in order for me to be more positive, in order for me to be able to accomplish what I think is not possible. And I ended up taking many different courses with the PSI Seminar Company. Um, they are based here in Las Vegas and in several different states across the country. And the teaching is all about mindset. And it's all about accepting people for who they are not having a lot of judgment around uh, where, where they come from, who they are on the outside, but deep down we're all the same. Like we have the same heartbeat, we have the same organs, we all have feelings and emotions. And that really helped me in my business as well to not make judgment on any of my clients, whether they have the money or not as a you know, first time home buyer, that as long as people have the motivation and the will to become a homeowner that they will um, by their action. And then you probably got creative to help them figure out how to do that. Yes, Lynn, my, my first client is actually from Craigslist. Um, I posted uh, a few advertisements and houses for sale on Craigslist. And at that time, in 2007 and 2008, Craigslist was free to post. Mm -hmm. And there weren't a lot of people who are using that as as a marketing tool. I mean, today it's a little bit different, like 12 years later. But at that time, it was a really easy way to market houses and homes. And I found my, yeah, my very first client is from Hawaii, contacted me and bought his first new home here in, in Southern Highlands, Las Vegas. Were other people doing that or were you the very first to start thinking of a creative way to do that? There were a lot of agents and realtors who are using Craigslist. I think one of the things about real estate is that there's so much information and as long as we're willing to share, and I was with the Keller Williams Realty Office, and the Keller Williams offices, it is all about sharing and vision and family. So I was able to get a lot of training and receive tons of good mentorship through the brokerage. That seems so important, doesn't it? To reach out to others, to allow others to help us. And I've had several conversations with women where we've talked about how easy or how difficult is it to ask for help or to accept help? What was that like for you? I've always been a loner since I was a young kid. So asking for help was a little difficult for me. However, when you're in a desperate situation, if you're working in a job and you have zero money coming in, uh, there is a point in time where you say, well, I better start asking for help and and do the right thing and do what everybody's already doing to be successful. Mm -hmm. I had a mentor and his name was Todd Barton with Keller Williams. He was the one who took me under his wings, showed me how to work a real estate transaction and helped me just get on my feet with the very first three real estate transactions. And after that, things just become a lot easier when we have that support. Looking at your MBA and your experience in the corporate world, how did that serve you in your real estate world? I've always been really grateful for, for all my experiences in Citibank and in my previous consulting companies. I had learned to fire my first <laughs> employee when I was in my early 20s. 
and the employee at that time was in her 40s and she's a single mom at the meeting where i had to fire the employee i ended up crying myself because i felt that oh as a single mom she probably needs this job however i realized later on that it's a really great experience to build myself up to, and to really understand everybody has choices so I learned in real estate, a lot of people are in a difficult financial situation because they themselves has made certain decisions that may or may not serve them and their families. And it's not my responsibility to change them. I, my job as a residential realtor is really to find the people who are motivated to purchase homes. So you're just going around asking people if they are ready. It's not converting them or changing their behavior. And that's a big lesson for me because I always want others to do better, but that's not my decision at the end. It's really their decision. Well, that seems like a difficult thing to learn, especially when you, someone like you who wants to see people succeed, wants to have better life for them. And if they don't want it and aren't willing to do what it takes, you got to let go, don't you? Yes, it is. It's hard to watch, but I think it's um, easier on ourselves when we're not accepting that responsibility and, yeah. and see it as a burden. It's really up to the individual. That's so freeing when you say that, that you don't have to be attached to them making mm -hmm. a, cho a choice, making a different choice or making that decision. Tell us about your early life because I know that parts of your early life weren't easy. My childhood was, was a good childhood. I have two loving parents, very lucky they're still alive and living in New Jersey. However, when I was 10 years old, that was when I encountered my very first obstacle in life. My mm -hmm. family along with my little sister, we moved from China to New Jersey. And that was a big culture shock. In China, of course, everybody is Chinese and everybody looks the same. We all wear uniform to school. So I didn't know anything about clothing, fashion, what matches, you know, with which outfit matches with what shoes. And it's only when I moved here to New Jersey, I found out that, oh, a pair of gray sneakers does not go well with a white polka dot dress. <laughs> <laughs> or you don't wear the same pair of pants twice in a row, right? Because in China, we, were, we didn't have a lot of money. And many times we wear the same clothes over and over again, as, we, as I do now at home, right? Working from home in quarantine. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Nobody knows. <laughs> it was a, in a period of adjustment. And I knew right then and there, as soon as I stepped foot into my middle school, it was sixth grade. I knew that it's a different world and I have to fend for myself that my parents are busy working and there's no way they will understand what I'm going through. Mm -hmm. So I've learned to fight my own battles. You know, kids sometimes, they can be mean, they're, they're rude and, and not all of them are, but the ones I've, I've encountered that made my life difficult were some of the bullies and you just have to deal with it. I think a lot, a lot of it are kids being kids at that time. I realized because I did not enjoy being bullied that I would never do that to somebody else. My goal is to, you know, make sure people feel comfortable wherever they are. And if they're meeting me, I want to make sure they're comfortable and that they never feel like they're left out. Because I had that feeling that I was left out all the time when I was a kid in the cafeteria. You know, I didn't have any friends. Nobody mm -hmm. wants to talk to me because I didn't speak a word of English. And I had that feeling that I was alone but then I want to make sure for the rest of my life that I 
don't do that to somebody else. Okay, so you're 10 years old, you're in sixth grade, you don't speak a word of English. And of course, this is a time when girls are growing up and like you're saying, figuring out the fashion thing and maybe not quite ready for boys, but still there's that piece of it. Carrie, how did you function? How did you get through all this when you didn't speak any English and you were in such a different culture? I think when you're in that situation, you have to function as a child. I'm, I'm sure there are a lot of kids that are in worse situation than I was back then. And kids are very, very resilient. For the first six months, I did not speak a word, of course, to anybody. That actually served me well later on in life because I can actually read people and you can find out a lot of things without speaking to them. And I could tell by their body language whether something is wrong or if they're irritated or if they like me or they just want me to just be quiet, right? And not talk anymore. People react with their bodies, not just their mouth. So mm -hmm. I had learned that skill set without even realizing I was learning it. When I first started uh, school, I don't have a schedule. So I was just following other kids wherever <laughs> they went, I went. And I went to the wrong classrooms. <laughs> and I also knew when I was in the wrong classroom that they were roll calling and they, the teacher realized there was an extra child in the class. I didn't know what to say, but I knew what's going on just by all the commotion <laughs> that I personally have caused. And looking back, it's hilarious because I couldn't say anything, but I knew I was the one who should not be in that classroom. But eventually, by process of elimination, the teachers figured out and moved me to the right class. <laughs> but when you can't even communicate with them, what does teachers do? <laughs> Did they finally figure out that if they had an extra kid, it was probably you? <laughs> they called out all the names that were in the classroom. So, so they eliminated the, the kids whose names were already on the list. And one by one, they realized I was the one that was left, that <laughs> wasn't on their roster. <laughs> then I was asked, and I was accompanied by another teacher to leave the classroom and be sent to the right class. How did you learn English then? Just by listening? By listening is the default. However, I had an English as a second mm. language teacher. Her name is Mrs. Bustler. I always oh. enjoy going to see her because there I feel comfortable. I feel like myself. I feel at peace. Mm -hmm. And I would never forget her name and her face. She was an elderly lady, probably in her 60s. And she's always smiling every time I see her. She reminds me of my grandmother like the grandmother I never had. Oh, nice. So was that a separate class or was that all part of your junior high school? Uh, that's a separate class. So instead of taking a science class, that science class is replaced with English and second language. Oh, okay. That's probably one of the reasons why I don't like science because I really didn't take a lot of <laughs> classes in science. Okay, so you went to all these other classes. How did you test? How did... How did you get through the other classes? I don't remember all the details. I'm sure I failed English <laughs> during the first six months. But as a 10-year-old, your capacity to learn a different language is extremely quick. And after six months, I was able to understand the majority of the conversations around me. Mm -hmm. And that made life easy. But I almost wish that I didn't understand what people said, because if they make fun of another child, that you could understand what they're saying, right? Oh, right. <laughs> Hope they weren't talking about you when they thought right. you didn't understand, right? <laughs>
but life is a lot easier after that. Did you have fears around that? Was it just kind of, I'm going to do this? What was your thought What and your feelings around being there? Oh. Kind of like ripped out of your culture, what you'd known and being in something brand new. Lynn, I didn't want to go to school for three years. And I never communicated that to my parents because I knew if I did communicate that nothing would change. We're not going to move back to China. We are going to be staying in that school, even though I didn't like all the kids in the school, but that's not what life is about, right? Life is not about meeting all the people that you like. It's just picking and making choices of how you choose to feel. I just have to buckle down and go to school and do the right thing. Otherwise, I would, you know, be reprimanded by my parents when I go home. So I don't want to have <laughs> two unhappy locations where I don't want to go home to. Oh, I had a pit in my stomach. I did not want to go to school at all for three years. And of course, you know, back then they have school buses that come to different communities. And because I didn't speak the language, it was now thinking back, it's really funny. Um, we were living on campus at the Rutgers University since my, my father was also at Rutgers University. We were living in these communities that look a lot alike. And <laughs> when I was being picked up by the school bus, it, everything was fine. But on the way back home, I could not remember where to get off. So I, when, when I got off the bus stop, I got off at the wrong community. <laughs> and then my parents had to come and look for me. Oh, funny. It's funny, though. Look, uh, now I have the opportunity to share the funny stories. And I imagine getting through that has somehow influenced the rest of your life. How do you see that playing out in your life? I mean, not Lynn, just the I'm, best thing, but the whole thing. When kids go through hardship in their life, they become resilient. And for me, my, my mental state has always been very strong. I think that's probably because my parents are very strong people. They have strong morals and they have strong belief systems. I learned a lot from them just by watching them and watching what they do, watching that they, they keep their word, they work hard, and they always taught my sister and I to be self-sufficient. So don't cause any problem for anybody else. And I've always lived my life, I realized the, the way they want me to live, just that as they are living their life. So it made things a lot easier going forward where I am very resilient and I always found a way to get a job. And I started working when I was 13 years old as a, as a babysitter, babysitting my neighbor's you know, child. She's probably just five years younger than me, but it was, it was just a really great way, kind of like escape away from home and away from school. And then you've kept on getting jobs. Give us another example of your resilience. It would, it would be, for example, Lynn, when I was working in my early 20s, this is actually my third job out of college. I was working for the financial consulting firm Johnson McLean in New York City, and I was assigned to two different companies, AT&T and Deutsche Bank. Of course, coming out of school, I really don't know a whole lot about consulting. I was in engineering, but I crafted my resume so that I can get a business job. I really did not like engineering. So I quit my engineering job and went into financial consulting without any financial background. And I went to the, the AT&T position. Immediately, I was sent to Europe to work on a project. And at that time, I asked my manager, who's also with the consulting company, I said, but I don't know anything. And she said, well, just fake it until you make it. And I said, oh, okay. I really didn't like 
I did not like her answer, mm -hmm. but I guess there's nothing I can do because I'm assigned to the project and I have to travel with them to Europe. But it was a great experience because not only do I get to travel, but I get to see how you're supposed to work when you don't know anything. <laughs> Did people catch on that you didn't know anything or did you rise to the occasion? Um, I don't think anybody no noticed that I was a newbie. I just followed along my managers and did what, whatever they did. And I tried to be more service of value. There were a lot of meetings that needed to have notes taken. So of course, being that I'm the youngest member of the team, I'm the one who's responsible for taking notes and I'm the one responsible for publishing the, the notes and sending out to, to the entire team. So I, I did find it to be an interesting way of being a consultant where as soon as you are a part of a company, you're sent out on a project that you know nothing about and you have to make your way through. <laughs> but then you went on to manage, was it Citibank? You had what, 80 employees working for you? Yes. Four managers. How did your early experience right out of school help you get into that vice president position? I was fortunate because I graduated from Rutgers University in engineering. And after a few years of, of job experience, I went back to Rutgers to pursue my MBA degree. So right after I graduated, there, there were a lot of companies hiring and I was able to join Citibank as a management associate. So that's more of a fast track program to management. There were 16 of us across the country that were part of this management associate program. After two years of being trained by their upper management, the goal is to have all of us be assigned in manager positions. During that time, when 16 of us have our group calls, I realized I was the only one who, who was having to work 10 to 12 hours a day and everybody else is working nine to five and they have such easy jobs. I was thinking to myself, well, how come I'm the one who has to work so hard? But I really didn't think too much about it because I didn't want to compare myself with other people. But deep down, I think to myself, there must be a reason why I'm, I'm doing this. And years later, looking back, I realized those are just the foundations for setting me up to get to the next level where things can be difficult. But because I've been through a lot of challenges and work challenges, that it just made things a little easier to handle. So I, when I was assigned to the team of 80 people in Citibank, Las Vegas, I was really scared at first because I have four managers that were in their 40s and I was in my late 20s and they have a lot more experience. They each have worked for Citibank at least 10 years to 20 years. But I learned that since I'm in that position, my goal is to make sure I take care of my people. They learned to respect me because after I was working long hours to make sure that their questions are answered and I would get down and dirty with them. There's not one thing that I wouldn't do. I had an admin with my partner manager who's on the night shift and I'm on the day shift, but I never, you know, asked my admin to give me a cup of coffee mm -hmm. or to get a copy for me because I think that's not really, that's not their role. They're not my maid. I can do things myself. I even fixed a copier when I was there. It's just whatever that needs to be done, you do it. That's my mentality. Well, and that has gotten you far, hasn't it? You're doing that with your real estate clients now, doing yes. whatever it needs to be done. I'm sure that's what got you through that 2007, 2008 crunch too, is just doing whatever you needed to. Yes, Lynn, and I have Citibank to thank for. I think if it wasn't for these experiences, 
I would probably be like, no, you go get your own contract. You write your own offers. I'm not writing it 10 times. <laughs> I think those things make us stronger, don't they? When, Absolutely. If we yeah. never have any challenges. We don't know how strong we are or what we can do. Yes. Every job, Lynn, I'm sure you've experienced it too. In every single job that we have, there's always a piece that we don't want to do, but we have to do it. Mm -hmm. And it's very mundane. It could be as easy as writing notes or typing it up. In my real estate career, it's more about writing 10 offers for the same client over and over again, or responding to 10 different counter offers and it's repetitious and it's very boring at times that you think that it doesn't matter, but it does matter. Everything that we do does matter. And you have to stay sharp even when those things are boring or repetitive. I mean, so much can get past you if you're not paying attention because that real estate, I, mean, I don't know if you know, I've got a broker's license that I've had since the mid eighties. I haven't done residential like you have, but I sit in enough classes every couple of years and see those contracts. <laughs> There is a lot to that, isn't there? Yes. Yeah, yeah, good for you, Lynn. Yeah, it's not an easy career. I don't think anything is easy in life. And maybe it shouldn't be that easy in life. I don't know. The women I'm talking to have achieved such amazing things, whether it's internal or external. I'm not saying women or everyone I'm interviewing is millionaires or that type of thing, but just have achieved so much satisfaction in their life and have done so much good in their life. And some of them have had horrendous upbringings or horrendous experiences that they've gone through. But everyone says it just makes them stronger. One of the women I spoke with this week, she said, don't be a victim of your history. Be the victor in your story. Yay. Yeah. So yeah. write your own story. Absolutely. I love women who sees it as a opportunities to move forward versus having that hold you back. Sometimes the past is not up to us. I mean, some things just happen because we're there or we're part of a family and it's okay, whatever happened in the past. So what motivates you to push through all these limits? The English in the schools, dealing with the, the mean girls, the mean students, getting your real estate license, managing 40 people, 80 people. What motivates you? to keep going and to push those limits? Lynn, I thought about that. I thought about why do I always want more? Or why am I always looking, you know, in my early 20s, looking for the next job or looking for a, a better pay for annual salary? I'm linking it back to my parents, how they're hardworking and they have sacrificed a lot for my, my sister and me. And I... I see what they're able to accomplish in their life. If this was back in 1980s, in the mid 1980s, my parents were on a $36,000 a year income. And I remember back in those days, we rarely went out to eat. If we went out to a restaurant to eat, it was probably once a, a year, not mm. once a week or once every month. But that discipline has helped my parents save so much money that within I would say anywhere from five to six years, they saved up enough money to buy a house with cash. Mm. And, and that's on a $36,000 a year income. Today, yes, even though Las Vegas, our median salary for a family is still $36,000. That's how um, that number kind of resonates with me is that a lot of people are living paycheck to paycheck and there's no savings and a lot of people don't have the extra $500 to replace their water heater and things are on a credit card. And I just see how my parents have worked hard and they made sacrifices to 
be to be where they are today. I have stopped feeling sorry for people. And that's like one of my life lessons is that if we're having hard times in no matter what area, it's because we didn't really put any focus on it or discipline on it. If we want to achieve more, then we just have to place the attention in details in the right place. So they're my, my parents are my motivators. They, they work really hard and they've got jobs that were a lot harder than my jobs. You know, they, my mom cleaned houses when she first moved here to this country. She babysat kids. She then moved on to work for the post office. I mean, there's a lot of work that, that she did. I couldn't clean houses today for eight hours a day, seven days a week. That's a lot of work. I'd rather use my brain <laughs> and get paid for that versus using my body because you get tired after you reach a certain age and can't work anymore. But our minds are working. Yeah, you can still use your mind. It seems like you can leverage your mental ability much more easily than you can leverage your body. And she's got eight hours she can work and then pretty much she's done. Yeah, you can keep that brain going and come up with so many more things that can support creative ideas and different ways of dealing with things. So, so speaking of creative ideas, we are in lockdown. We're socially distancing. What are you doing about selling real estate during this time? Oh, Lynn, good question. Yes. We're locked down. However, the business still continues. Yes, we do have a lot of people who have been laid off here in Vegas because of the entertainment industry. Um, We have a lot of buyers who are currently on hold until they're being called back to the casinos. I do feel for them because their income is affected immediately. But for, for me, I'm just looking at how lucky and fortunate I am. I am still making phone calls. I'm still making cold calls as part of my business. And I'm reaching out to past clients to not even just talk about real estate, but to say, hey, do you guys need resources? Where to buy the face masks? Where to contact your um, prescription meds. There are places where they will deliver for free here in Las Vegas without having to go to CVS or go to a Walgreens. Um, there are resources that are available. So this is a time where I am working on building my relationships, Lynn, with my current clients and past clients, as well as future clients. Not be only focused on selling real estate, but be sensitive to the, the needs of a human being. To ask people how they're doing, to find out okay, is there anything that I can help you with? Can I connect you to a wonderful homeowner insurance agent or auto insurance agent who can help you reduce your monthly expenses? Because people are having some financial troubles in certain areas that if I can do something to help them, that's what I'm focusing on. So it's been very interesting uh, two months during this quarantine time. That's a great way to, to show your clients that you really care. You're not just there for the money. Yeah, Lynn, and people are humans. I mean, we all have feelings and, and we're all smart. We know when someone's trying to sell us yeah. versus someone's just caring about our family and our health. So I've, I've learned that over the last 13 years. And I learned a lot in real estate. I'm so glad I'm in this uh, in the profession. How did you decide to go into real estate? That seems like quite a distant move from where you were in banking and in the finance world. It was actually a fluke. <laughs> <laughs> I had interest in real estate from an investment standpoint. However, when I quit Citibank, I said to myself, I need to do something different. And real estate was the easiest easiest uh, business to get into, but I had no idea there's all the behind the scene work 
that comes with it. And I just thought, oh, it's easy to put a sign outside a house and sell it for $300,000 and you multiply that by the commission amount. Oh, that's easy money, but it never happens like that. No, um, <laughs> no, but, no, but I just knew I'm never going back to corporate. That's what uh, kept me in the real estate business. You talked earlier about leaving jobs where your, your values didn't sync with the values of the people you worked with or the goals, that type of thing. Is that what happened when you shifted into real estate, that you were leaving a, a corporate job where those things were not in alignment? I found Lynn in different companies that people care more about themselves than they do about their people. Their focus every year is to make sure they get a really great annual review, which results in an increase in salary. And in terms of management, you get a bonus. That's all it boils down to for the experience I went through. So I did not see a lot of value that I was able to provide other than speaking up for my employees because they're the ones who are working hard and we, we work as a team. But other than that, when it comes to annual reviews, it's such a disempowering experience in corporate America that after a couple rounds of that, I realized, yeah, that's not a, a place for me. I don't feel like I was making a difference and I don't feel like my opinions are heard or even valued. Therefore, I said, no, I'd rather just not have a job and give up that four weeks of vacation and great pay. I needed to be happy. That was a lot more important for me and good for my soul. So what is it that's empowering about what you're doing now? I'm able to help people. Lynn, you mentioned at the beginning that I'm helping people um, buy the American dream. And I feel like the American dream is actually two parts. One is being able to own a home. That's number one. But the second part of it is being able to pay off that home. Mm -hmm. Because I've experienced the 2008 crash. I lost my house in 2009. I see how devastating it can be for families. I don't know if, if you and, and everybody else feel that we should still qualify our you know, 80 year olds who, who can financially qualify for a loan for another 30 years of mortgage. Is that a, a valid banking guideline? I don't know. There is no maximum age that you can qualify. As long as you're still alive and breathing and you have income, you qualify for a home. <laughs> so my goal is to help people not only to, to own a home, but to pay it off as soon as you can. The home expense is about 30% of your overall household budget if that home is already paid off, then your life is so much easier. You know, you can probably quit your job sooner or retire early and, and live the life that you wanted to live. I hear the people that we're in the mastermind with who are heavy real estate investors talking about leverage and debt and how you need to be putting your money to work. You don't want to have a lot of assets that you're not using, those types of things. Because I know you do some real estate investing for yourself and for others too. It seems like you've got maybe two different ways of looking at things. One is, is paying off your home so you've got that security, and the other is leveraging your money. How do you reconcile those two things? Lynn, people can maybe focus on just reducing debt as much as possible for their own home. And if they have additional disposable income, then they can invest that in another real estate property, or they can invest in life insurance vehicles, or something else, it doesn't always have to be real estate. Just because I have a lot of clients 
who are also first-time home buyers, 50% of my clientele are investors, but the other 50% are renters who've been renting for years. And, and that population really don't have the, the necessary attention that they deserve. And I feel like these are the people that I find more excited to help. I mean, it's great. Investors know the numbers. I love numbers. I can talk all day long about numbers for them. But then the, the group of people that I can resonate with are the ones that really want my help and be able to get them out of renting a home for the rest of their life to, to home ownership. So I think it's just really a balance. You don't have to have a whole lot of investment if you just want to live peacefully and more stress-free. And, and I think the, the financial burden that a lot of families feel can be removed if the home is completely paid off. So instead of paying a 30-year mortgage, what about putting all your money to pay off your mortgage in 20 years or maybe 15 years? I mean, what would your life look like, right? That's, that's a whole different lifestyle than somebody who has a 30-year mortgage left when you're still 70 years old and you still have another 20 years left to pay on the house. Yeah, it's a whole different feeling, isn't it? It is. I hear you saying quite often about helping people. Is that something that keeps you going that inspires you it's absolutely lynn i'm i'm energized by it because i think when i was young I, I think it goes back to my my story of when i was 10 years old i didn't get any help in school nobody was talking to me i think my life would be uh, a little different if i had another friend even even if it's just one friend who was willing to help me so i see it as if i can be that one friend to somebody else to help make their life easier than that I have, you know, done what I'm supposed to be doing. To me, that's really important because I think we're all here to help each other. And I've seen other people help me, you know, throughout my, my life that made life easier than doing things on our, on your own. What would you say drives you? What's your driving force that lights you up and keeps you going? My driving force is maybe just to show my parents that I can, I can make it on my own, that I can be successful, that they didn't move to this country for no reason because they wanted to give us a better life. And they left China because they don't want to be in a country where your voice is not heard. It's kind of similar to what I've experienced in corporate America, where your voice is not heard. If you work hard, it doesn't matter it's a communist country, so everybody shares profit, no matter, no matter how lazy you are or how hardworking you are. And they wanted you know, to have a better life for themselves and for, for us, the, the, their kids. Therefore, you know, they, they made the move. So I don't want my life to be an embarrassment to them after all the sacrifices that they've made. Well, that, that's lovely that you've got that nice relationship with your parents and that you recognize that they made sacrifices for you. It helped me to be more appreciative of, of who they are and hard work. I've seen them do a lot more <laughs> well, hard work than I have ever done. Mm. So whatever that we are doing is, is nothing. Um, Lynn, if we have time, I just want to share a real quick story. Oh, yeah. um, when, when I was maybe five or six years old, and I don't remember the story, but my mom was the one who shared it, that we were still living in, in Shanghai, China. And at that time, because my, my parents didn't have a whole lot of money, both my parents had to work. So in order for my mother to take care of both me and my sister in the evenings when we come back from school, 
she ended up hurting herself on purpose on the job. She dropped something on her foot so that she can take off temporarily from work. We don't even have to think about doing anything close to that. But she had to do it because we don't have any babysitters. Grandparents are both older and my mom did not want to bother them. So the only way she was able to come home and spend time and cook dinner for my sister and, and I was to hurt herself on purpose so that her manager at the factory can give her, let's say like, what, short-term disability and, and not lose her job. So that to me is very heartbreaking for me to hear. Years later, she didn't share this until maybe when I was in my 30s. My heart goes out to her. I don't know what else she has done. <laughs> yeah, to, I'm wondering, was that the only time? To make things happen and to make life a little bit easier. For I just think that if she needs to do that, then us working hard mm-hmm. in today's you know, society, nothing can compare to that. So what a sacrifice, that kind of a physical sacrifice. They created a better life for you. Did they have any trouble getting out of Shanghai, coming to the United States? No, they were, they were able to, to leave in the 1980s. So we moved here in 1985. My parents never looked back. It was a great thing. They just made a decision that this is the right, right thing for them to do as a family. What an interesting story. Well, and I know that talk about giving back, you not only give back to your clients and to the networking group, but you give back to those cats. <laughs> Tell us about what you're doing with the cats. Oh, Lynn, I have uh, fostered kittens uh, for the last 10 years, a little bit over 100. I stopped counting after 100. These are all cats from the shelter. I have started trapping cats in the Las Vegas uh, parks. There are a lot of people that dump their animals when they move or when they leave their apartment complex they figure well other people can take care of it i ended up just seeing a lot of little kittens running around the um, desert breeze park here in las vegas at a at another networking event and i started to figure out okay how do i communicate the people to the people who, who are feeding them so i left notes over and over again and it's all about repetition and doing the same thing over and over until you get a response. And I was able to connect with uh, two ladies in their 70s who are feeding these cats. And I had to talk to them about working together, form a partnership, and then schedule a time when you're not feeding them so that I can come and trap these cats. And I started trapping and we probably trapped about, about 30 to 50 cats in that area. So that prevented a lot of kittens being born. I'm Definitely in favor of spay and neuter, which hopefully will solve all the problems of pet overpopulation. You trap these then and take them to a shelter? Is that what you do with them? We trap the kitties and we release them after having having had them for the surgery so that they don't reproduce. It, It would be impossible to, I would say, adopt them out to homes, Mm. but for the little ones, especially the the babies that are born or if they're under like six months or even three months, um, then they can be socialized and then we find homes for them and and send them to adoption agencies throughout Las Vegas. What a wonderful thing to do. Oh, they're they're cute though. The the cats are cute. It's not their fault that they're outside and reproducing like mad. You know, it's the the people who were not responsible for them that caused all this problem. 
No, that that's their instinct. That's what they do. But thank you for doing that. What a oh. great, great service. Thinking back along your life, what's the biggest lesson that you've learned that you want to share with our listeners? I would say, Lynn, my, my biggest lesson is when I made the change from leaving Citibank to becoming a realtor in 2007, not one person supported me. No, not one person said, oh, good for you. If you're unhappy at Citibank, then I'm glad you're pursuing something different. Everyone I talked to said, are you crazy? Um, you're, you have an MBA degree and you're going to become a realtor. I understand where they're coming from now because a lot of people in real estate really doesn't, just, doesn't have the respect, I would say, in, as a whole industry. I do believe there are a lot of great realtors out there it's just the ones that are not professional they kind of go to real estate go to sales go to <laughs> go to insurance they just go everywhere but i would say follow your heart and follow your your instinct because that really is important it doesn't matter if other people agree with you or not it, they're not living your life and years later people are surprised that i'm still in real estate, although I know I love my parents, they want me to get a full-time job at, at the corporate <laughs> corporate world. And I said, no, because real estate has really taken me on a journey of self-discovery. And every client that I have lost, I probably have lost about 30, 50 clients during my first to second year. And it's immediate feedback. If the client wants to work with us, it's because they like certain certain things about us if they don't want to work with us and it's immediate feedback to say wait a minute what is it that I did and it's a really great feeling to be able to have a stable career in the business that of your choice and nobody can take that away from us I could still be working for Citibank now and be laid off and then have to find another job and, and now you've you've got your own job and, and you said you kind of came into that real estate by accident thinking that it was something easy now that you're in it, what is it about it that that you just love that tells you I'm not going to go get a job no matter what my parents say? <laughs> and Lynn, this uh, this career has helped me uh, develop my own personality. It required a lot of self-development and positive mindset. They always said in the beginning of my training in real estate that the market is between our ears. So regardless of what's happening outside with the coronavirus, regardless of what anybody's saying about the economy, it really matters what in our head, what is it saying? I love the fact that I was able to meet so many different people in real estate, anywhere from business owners to first-time homebuyers, renters, and be able to connect them with the right people. And just making that connection is really important. And I really enjoy that, being able to say, hey, do you know this awesome estate planning attorney that I have? Or this really cool homeowner insurance agent that I work with that can save you money on your home policy. Or I know a great mechanic. And I like it when clients call me, um, where do I invest my money? I have extra money left. It's like, oh, okay, they're calling me and I'm not even a financial advisor. Awesome. <laughs> Well, that's building relationships, which is what you talked about. And Absolutely. You're making these kinds of connections, these networking connections that you do so naturally that you just Thank automatically, you. and I see you do this without any of this, what's in it for me kind of thing. 
you know, you do it just to help other people, the plumbers and the financial planners and the car mechanics and whoever you can recommend your. So again, looking back over your life, what is it that surprises you the most about your life? What surprises me is how much I would, I would love these cats. I never had cats until I was in my twenties and my sister and her husband at that time had adopted two kitties and I never knew that I would even like animals <laughs> and at first I said to myself boy it smells in here and they have two new kittens and I was I was asking my sister please can you um close your door so that we don't have the smell in the house and the next thing I know I adopted three kitties and from there on <laughs> There's tons of tons of cats across my life. Um, I think the other other thing is, although Lynn, I'm a loner and I have been a loner since I was 10 years old, I realized a lot of people want to be around me. And I was surprised that I am very happy, go lucky, that my goal every day is just to laugh and crack a smile or make somebody else laugh. We don't have enough of that in our in our world. There's too many issues and problems that we're focusing on that instead of focusing on problems that maybe we could just laugh it off. And I didn't realize how much I also needed people to be around other people. I would very much love to stay home and and not be around people. But at the same time, I get more energy, as you mentioned earlier, from other women who also pushes their limit. You're energized by them. And I feel the same way that I'm energized by other people. Well, because you are so easy to be around. When we met, I mean, it was just easy to almost feel like we'd known each other for a long time. You're fun to be around. You're so positive, Carrie. And that's, I think, one of the things that attracts people to you. You've got that attitude, the smile, the creativity, all of that, that just draws people to you. So thank you for that. Thank you for being the person. Thanks, Lynn. And thank you for your friendship. I'm very fortunate to have met you as well. Well, thank you. I think we're serving each other and I hope we continue to do that. How about some tips for women who push the limits, four or five tips that you're sharing from your experience. Number one is definitely surround ourselves with positive people. I have very little tolerance for negativity. If somebody complains and if I find that to be an ongoing factor when I'm spending time with the individual, I would immediately cross them off my list of people who I want to spend time with. The next would be just Give it your best, no matter what happens, do the best that we can, because sometimes we never get a second chance to do the same thing over again. And that happens with, you know, not only with work, but also our own relationships with people that maybe if we said the wrong thing that we never would be able to see the person again. Do always give it your best and and do your best. I would say the next is to be of service always provide value because that has been my model without even knowing it. When I'm meeting with people, I don't want to take advantage of them. Um, I'd rather that I give more to the other people than they give back to me. Mm -hmm. I'm not looking to take anything from anybody. And that was something I learned and watched from my parents. They would never take advantage of somebody else. And they always want to be able to give somebody more than what Mm -hmm. they're taking in. I can see how you live that, Carrie. It's easy, though, because I do believe in the universe having karma. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So whatever we do, somebody's watching 
and think it, it will be given back to us no matter what it is. And the other thing is to know what you want and just follow your heart and not care too much about what other people are thinking because their opinions are not important. Like our own opinions are the most important. I think that's so hard. I, when I think about what it took for me to get to the point where I didn't care about other people's opinions. I don't know if that just comes with age or if you have to really work on it, but <laughs> yeah, it's, it's hard to not think that we've got to please other people. I'm speaking for myself. Yes. Yeah. Think about what, what other people expect. And when I think about being 70 now, I would not want to go back to be 40 again. Where I you're, was. you're the most beautiful 70-year-old <laughs> Lynn. You're amazing. You. you don't even look it. Thank you. I just, I would not want to go back to be 40, though. I don't think I stood up for myself as much. I know I didn't stand up for myself as much at 40 as I do now. And it feels so much better. Yes. It's, it feels free. It feels like you yes. can be free. It really does. Yeah. Just to be myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, Carrie, you. thank you. I, your life has been fascinating. The way you look at things, I love what you've shared with us, how you treat people, all those things, and thinking about the, the way your life has changed forever because of your parents' sacrifice and how you're helping other people change their lives mm -hmm. with their homes and their investments and, and their cats. Yes. <laughs> So thank you for that. You're welcome, Lynn. Thank you for having me. Anything else you want to say before I ask for your contact information? Lynn, yes. One of the things I want to say is to always be fair because you can never go wrong. And I learned in every situation, I am not being asked to side with anybody. As long as you make the fair decisions and always stand your ground, that makes life a whole lot easier. I'm not having to uh, kiss up to somebody in a corporate America situation. As long as, you know, you believe is a fair decision and fair things to do, then that's all really matters. Yeah, that's so important, isn't it? And, and sometimes it takes time to figure out what's fair. But like you were talking about, your parents gave you such strong values. They demonstrated that, they lived that. And how important is that to have those kind of values that you know this is what's right for you. And this is what's right for the other people you're dealing with too. Yes. You know, that you're giving and not always taking. So there's a difference, I think, between giving and receiving or taking and receiving. Okay, we can still receive things, but not take them. Does that make true. sense? That's true. Yes, Lynn. Okay. Yeah. So Carrie, tell us how to reach you. Sure. They can contact me at 702 238 three, two, four, nine, or they can email me if they have any questions or just wanted some advice as well. I'm happy, I'm happy to share and they can contact me at jigsaw, J-I-G-S-A-W, seven, seven at gmail.com. Okay. Jigsaw seven, seven at gmail. Great. Thank you for sharing that. You're welcome, Lynn. Thank you again for the interview. I love this. I'm so glad we did this today. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for spending time. We've been visiting with Carrie Liu, who is a residential real estate agent, residential realtor in Las Vegas, and an amazing woman who has pushed limits for a long time, doing wonderful things. 
If you've enjoyed this today, please leave a, a review, leave a rating, subscribe to this channel so you don't miss another episode of Women Who Push the Limits. I'm Lynn Murphy, and it's really been my pleasure spending this time with you today. Tune in next time, and between now and then, remember this, you find your limits by pushing them. So keep pushing. Thank you for tuning in today. Please like, subscribe, write a review, and tell your friends and family about this podcast. Don't be shy about sharing this episode with anyone you think would enjoy it. And if you want more information about this podcast and about this amazing project, go to womenwhopushthelimits.com. That's womenwhopushthelimits.com. Tune in next time for another amazing interview with an inspiring woman who truly pushes the limits.